when I ask my clients, when you feel anxious, where do you tend to feel it in your body? And nine out of 10 times, it's always in your midsection. People will talk about the fact that they feel butterflies, they feel an emptiness in their, in their stomach, a pit in their stomach. And so what do we tend to do when we feel that? We tend to eat. And there's a science behind that, because when we eat, we actually press against the diaphragm, which then connects to a vagus nerve, which creates comfort for us. So when people are emotionally eating, there's a real reason they're doing that. Hey there, I'm Amy Connell. Welcome to Graced Health, the podcast for women who want simple and graceful ways to take care of themselves and enjoy a little chocolate. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach who wants you to know your eating, movement, and body don't have to be perfect. You just need to be able to do what you're called to do. As you may or may not know, you know some of this, I am the host, producer, and editor of this show which means everything you hear, I have had my hands on. Typically, my rhythm is I interview my guests, and that may be months before it drops. I just will have the conversation when I can and then hold on to it for a little bit, or sometimes it goes live really quickly. But I will interview my guests, then I schedule when the episode goes live because I like to have a balance of physical, mental, spiritual health. And then about two weeks before it is due to drop, I strip the audio, I edit it a little bit, I write this intro, I put it all together, then I create the show notes and the social and all of the other things that you're probably not interested in knowing about. Let me tell you how excited I have been to get this conversation out there. So it is currently two weeks before and, and now I'm speaking real time. I'm like, yay, it's finally there. I, there's so, I have so many friends I'm going to send this to. So in today's episode, I am speaking with counselor Ruth Opio, who by the way, just full disclosure, she and I are friends and we walk about every three or four months and just catch up. And it's just been a beautiful friendship. But we talk about the relationship between our mental health, the food we eat, and our faith. Ruth brings such gentleness and balance to this conversation. So please know, this is not a list of rules of do's or don'ts or uh, anything like that. Uh, Ruth is an integrative medicine practitioner, so she combines her counseling expertise with nutritional food science. Let me tell you some about Ruth. She is originally from Kenya, uh, which we talk about, and we talk about her uh, just growing up and the differing experiences growing up in Kenya versus coming to the States in the late 90s in the midst of the whole fat-free craze. I think you're going to really appreciate that conversation. Uh, Ruth has been married for 26 years and has three young adult children. She is also a Jesus follower, which added another just really rich element to this discussion. She's licensed as a therapist in Texas and has been for over 20 years. She's also licensed in Florida and temporarily in California. Uh, she's also an, a member of the American Association of Christian Counselors and is a certified trauma professional as well as being EMDR trained. 
So if you are in Texas, Florida, or California and would like to explore counseling with Ruth, you can connect with her at Enner Peace, I-N-N-E-R, Peace Counseling and Coaching.com, which I will have the links uh, to that as well as how you can contact Ruth directly if you want to have her in your corner supporting your mental health. Okay, let's bring on Ruth. Ruth, welcome. Thank you so very much. It's so good to see you, Amy. I'm so excited to be able to do this with you. I really and truly, I want to thank you for your time in doing this. I know therapists are swamped right now. They have been since um, kind of the pandemic got going. I think it's maybe even since before. And so I really value your time. I'm really glad that you were here. Um, now, in that intro, one of the things that I mentioned was that you or that's on your bio is that you do integrative, let's see, where where was it? Mental health. Now I've lost it. Now I've it's lost okay. it. It's okay. So I'm a, <laughs> I'm a certified integrative mental health protection, 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 practitioner. Goodness, practitioner. I can't speak myself yes. today. <laughs> yes. yes. And, and medicine and integrative medicine practitioner as well, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. So I want people to know a little bit about our background. You and I live in the same area in Mm -hmm. um, the Houston area. And we were both speaking at a local church. So I show up to talk about, you know, the, the health and breaking the rules and all of that kind of stuff. And I knew that you were also the speaker. So we show up and <clears throat> they had like little snacks and, you know, refreshments. Mm-hmm. And in there, I don't know if you remember this or not, but there were three big, for lack of a better word, vats of water, like flavored water. Mm-hmm. And so you had something with lemon and then there was like strawberries and something. And on it, there was for focus drink this and for relaxing drink this. And I thought, this is my kind of woman. (laughs) (laughs) So I fell in love with you right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I wanted to bring you on today to talk a little bit more about the relationship between food and our mental health, you know, without getting too crazy about it or obsessive or starting to idolize the process of having the right food, because you Mm -hmm. and I are both Christians, we you know, that is our foundation of everything we do. But I think it's very interesting. And and it's a different or maybe another tool of approaching our mental health. Correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's start here. How did you become interested in integrating food and mental health? Because sometimes it's compartmentalized. It's like, there's your food, there's your mental health, and that's it. It's interesting. There's been a lot of talk in recent years, especially about the whole um, body-mind connection. So first of all, let me give you a little bit of background. So grew up in Kenya. Um, mother is, is a microbiologist. Um, so I grew up listening to her talk about, you know, cells and this and that, you know, all things biology. But in there also, I had this mother who was loved cooking. You know, like that was the way in which she showed love. She would prepare foods and invite the pastors of our church to come over. We would make um, samosas, which which are these little Indian um, 
you know, pastries that we would go and share at church. She she would enjoy invite the neighborhood kids over and just make them snacks. I grew up with this woman who absolutely loved food. But one of the things that she was always telling me throughout my life growing up was how food was important for our physical health, but specifically how food needed to be balanced. You know, she was a big believer of this balancing of a meal, right? And she would, you know, in Kenya, you're taught to cook real early. And I remember at the age of nine, she was telling me, whenever you make a meal, you should be able to look at it and see what the carbohydrates are and what the vegetables are and what is the protein. And then you round that off with a nice big bowl of fruit, because again, grew up in a tropical country, that was dessert, is that you just had fruit every evening, you know? So this is the background by which I understood food until I got to the States at the age of 26, and I am bombarded by a different way of looking at food. So this is in the early 19. I mean, the late 1990s, I got to the States in 1998, and we were in the midst of the fat-free I'm yes, crazy, you know, like don't give you, once your child turns a year, don't give them milk with any fat in it. It needs to be 1%, 2%, you know, avoid anything with fat. If you're going to eat meat, it needs to be super lean. Take off all the, you know, the, the skin off of your chicken. You know, if you're going to eat eggs, only eat the whites. Like it was like, wait, what? What is happening? <laughs> I wish people could see me just nodding, nodding, nodding. I mean, you are speaking the 90s nutrition right now. Yes, it was just fat is the devil, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, I grew up eating, drinking full fat milk. You know, I grew up, you know, eating avocados. Um, I, I grew up, you know, and it wasn't demonized, but here I'm thinking, oh, maybe we had it all wrong. And this is the way that we're supposed to eat, you know? But at the same time, I'm looking around me and I'm seeing all of these people who are struggling um, with their weight. But even more important, because that was when I was at the seminary getting my master's in marriage and family counseling, I was just seeing this really poor mental health that people seemed to have. and. And as this area of making a connection between food and our mental health has grown in this country, um, I just became very interested in it. Like, I wasn't seeing the same levels of depression and anxiety growing up. And here we were supposedly doing things the way we were supposed to do them by cutting out fat. But we had people who were overweight. We had people who were depressed. Is it possible that there was something else going on there that would connect our mental health to the food that we were eating. I was also seeing something else, which was the other extreme. People were just choosing not to eat anything, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so these are the people who were living on three apples a day so that they could maintain this body weight, look a certain way. And yet they too were suffering from severe mental issues. So what was going on? So whether we're eating everything that we can see or whether we're cutting out certain things out of our diet, 
or whether we're just being super extreme and not eating anything, people were not happy. And that really made me want to get more into understanding. Is there some connection between what we eat, what we fail to eat, how we view food and our mental health? I think that you were way ahead of the curve. And maybe that's just somewhat of what, I mean, I'm sure it's a combination of where your focus was in mental health. Some of it was just being aware and attuned. And I love that foundation that you received from your mom. I mean, it sounds like the environment and the attitude and relationship people have with food and perhaps their body, I don't want to make any assumptions in Kenya, was so foundationally different than what you experienced here that it allowed you to have a different perspective and to question the nonsense (laughs) that was going on and continues to go on in the States about, um, about food and, and all of that. So I just, I love that. I love that you have really had such a focus on that. So let's, let's talk about that. So let's, let's dig into what you learned about the food that we eat and how it can impact our mental health. Well, I think I should start off by saying that we, we should learn to live outside of extra, of extremes, right? Like this whole idea that I should be able to eat everything that comes my way uh, does not make sense, right? On the other hand, uh, completely cutting out f- food groups or certain nutrients absolutely doesn't make sense. Um, and so there's been a lot of research, especially in recent years, have that have tried to um, connect what we're eating and how we feel. So maybe what I was thinking is we could just kind of talk about maybe some of the nutrients that are out there that by failing to consume these nutrients, we're negatively impacting our health. Okay. Um, And I'm not going to get too detailed about all of the nutrients, but I definitely wanted to throw out a few out there. We know, for example, that uh, food is not just fuel. It's not just that, oh, it's calories in and that gives me enough energy to do what I need to do. But rather, food also includes all these nutrients, all these phytochemicals that do different things to our bodies, which, you know, you and I are both Christians. And that fascinates me because it just reminds me of how God takes care of us, right? That he would give us something that we have to ingest every single day to replenish not just our energy to do what we are called to do in the world, but gives us what our brain needs so that we can have better mood, more stable mood, sleep better, have more energy, and so on and so forth. Some of the chemicals that I'm thinking of here are things like omega-3s, okay? So let's go back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, fat-free, right? So if an omega-3 is something that is a fat, right, is something that tends to show up um, as an in oil substances, we get it in our fatty fish, in salmon, in tuna. Um, we also see it in some, some plants like flax seeds. Studies have shown us that, that omega-3s are really important as mood stabilizers. And so if we're saying fat is bad and I'm not going to eat anything that will give us 
will give me those omega-3s. Basically, what we're doing is we're short-circuiting our ability to have better stable mood, and we are short-circuiting our ability to, to feel happy. In a sense, something else I like is uh, I like to talk to my clients about something like selenium, right? So this is something that we see in whole uh, wheat. We see it in nuts, in rice, in oats, some of those very same things that show up in carbs, which we've moved out of the fat-free and now we're kind of more like in the carb-free lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So this is where we find some of um, that selenium. And what does selenium do? Um, Again, it also helps with better mood. It helps us, um, it's a neurotransmitter, right? And um, we get it from tryptophan. We get it from those carbs, like I said earlier. We get it from folic acid. And so if we're not eating that spinach, if you're not eating those whole grains, that if you're not eating those meats, you know, like turkey or whatever, then we're not getting our trip. To, we're not getting all of those things that are necessary for increasing that nutrient, which then with our brain helps us feel better, gives us more stable mood. And, and then we have things that help with the dopamine, for example. That comes from like high magnesium or from um, vitamin D. So being able to eat those bananas, um, vitamin D rich foods, getting out and getting some sun, you know, maybe taking a supplement with vitamin D during the winter months. All of these things that have been shown actually help us feel better with our mood. And so when we completely cut those things out of our diet, then how else are we supposed to better manage our mood? And I think this is where maybe there's been an explosion in looking for other ways to deal with our mood, which include medication. And I'm not against medication. I don't want anybody to think that that's what I'm saying. I am, however, saying that we have something natural that God has given to us that is healthy for us, that we can ingest every single day, that creates pleasure for us, that maybe by failing to utilize, um, we, we're pretty much shooting ourselves in the foot, if that makes sense, you know? Yes, it does. And I think, um, well, and I guess I would, I would add, and I, I think you would uh, um, agree with this, that it's a great first line, right? Like it's a, that's your first line of defense is eating the foods that God has given us. And then if, if that doesn't work, that's when maybe medication or Absolutely. something like that yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. pops in for sure. And, you know, the, the thing too that when I – because I have gotten – I have spent a lot of time in the past and every now and then still, mm-hmm. but just in this obsessive nature about like, well, I need to eat this and this is good for me and, and, you know, just kind of getting a little crazy about that. But when I take a step back and I think, okay, am I mostly just eating the foods that God gave me? in the state that he gave it mm-hmm. and eating a variety of things, then probably I'm getting a lot of what I need to be having. I mean, there's another conversation, you know, to be had about like, because our form- farming systems have changed so much. Of course. We're, not, we're not getting all of those nutrients as well, mm-hmm. but you know, that's where there's um, what do they call them? Nutritional insurance. I've heard supplements called like, okay, right. we're going to do this. And then, um, you know, and then have some supplements as well. So we, we've talked a little bit about 
eating these kinds of things and the fat-free and the carb-free and uh, it's just exhausting. It's quite honestly, it's so exhausting. But I want to, I want to talk some about how being so focused on some of these things, or even trying to eat all of the right things that, you know, we know are good for us, and we know will fuel our our brain and our body well. But Uh then what happens when we don't get there? And then we naturally start beating ourselves up, shaming, punishing ourselves with exercise or not eating or something like that. So I would love for you to help me out with helping us establish a, a good, a solid, balanced mindset since you use that. I love that word balance right? Um, into what we're eating and then how that plays into our physical and our mental health. Absolutely. And thank you for asking that question. I think we do get into this mindset where we feel like things need to be done perfectly for them mm-hmm. to be done okay. And I think that that's a very unrealistic expectation that we have for ourselves. What happens if I'm traveling, right? And, you know, all of the meals that are being served are probably not the most ideal, you know? Or what happens if I, it's, I've been very busy at work and haven't had the time to get to the store and get as many vegetables as I need to be having every day? What if there's a party at work and I happen to eat a piece of cake? So does this mean that, you know, we should just beat ourselves up? We should feel shame? I hear a lot of people, especially in therapy, um, engaging in this really negative self-talk where they're constantly shaming themselves for not being perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I like to tell my clients, first of all, there is no such thing as perfection. There's right. only one and only one person who is perfect and his name is God, right? Um, the rest of us are just called to be excellent. We're, we're called to do our very best every single day and to move away from expecting to be perfect because there is no such thing. So then what does that mean? It means that we recognize that food is important. We recognize that we need to eat food in the right qualities, in the right quantities, We try and plan ahead for that, but we also practice grace, right? And I love the fact that your company is called Graced Health, right? (laughs) We practice grace because really what is grace? Grace is basically saying to ourselves that I don't have to be perfect, right? There is room for improvement, absolutely, but I'm not going to continually beat myself for any failures or perceived failures, And so what that does is that it gives us freedom. It allows us to practice some self-compassion. It allows us to move away from constantly telling ourselves that we're bad people or that we are failures. And that's really what shame is, right? Shame, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, puts us in a place where we feel, um, first of all, false guilt, right? Because I tell my clients, true guilt is when you actually intentionally hurt somebody. You should feel guilt, right? False guilt is any time you've tried your best or you make a mistake and then you beat yourself over that. And that creates shame because it kind of feels hopeless. Like I can't really change the circumstances. Being able to be kind to yourself, giving yourself that grace, allowing yourself to see yourself as human is a way for you to 
rather than feel shame and feel hopeless, creates room for you to say, okay, so maybe today didn't go as well as I hoped it would go, but there's always tomorrow. Also, is this little piece of cake really going to kill me, right? Right. Like, like, am I catastrophizing? Am I making this a bigger deal than it truly is? So it's having that internal conversation constantly with yourself around your ability to be self-compassionate, but then you're, you're understanding that tomorrow things will be different and, and that's okay, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like how you said, I think I've paraphrased this some, but we don't have to eat perfectly to eat well. Yes. But that's really, I don't know if empowering is the right word, but it gives us, it does give us a lot of grace. And I love that word that you just used of catastrophizing Mm -hmm. because we do that. We get in our head, oh man, I had that cake. Oh, I shouldn't have eaten this. And, you know, is cake three times a day, every day going to be great for our mental health or our body? No, no, but enjoying that. And you and I have had these conversations because one of the ways that you and I have started to kind of grow our relationship is we go outside, we get Mm -hmm. that vitamin D and we walk. And so we have talked a lot about this relationship of, or this um, necessity of balance, because when we have that cake, if we're enjoying it with someone what that's doing in other areas of our lives and our relationship and growing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking to that, you know, the whole issue of eating and especially eating with other people, I'm always fascinated um, in reading the Bible about, you know, all these instances where Christ is spending a lot of fun times with people eating. We talk about the Last Supper. We talk about the fact that, you know, in heaven we will feast. He, he talks about preparing a table for us. Like he uses food a lot. He created food to be pleasurable, but he also created food to be something that we can do with other people, that we can enjoy with other people and have that changes our own mental well-being when we get to engage in a pleasurable activity with other people um, as we nurture ourselves, but also nurture other people. So seeing food as something bigger than just me opening my mouth and putting something in there, but something that brings people together, something that helps us connect. In Jesus' time, an opportunity for him to teach you know, something that I can look forward to in heaven that I get to do with my heavenly father. So absolutely, we we need to move away from catastrophizing. We need to definitely move away from demonizing food. And we need to, to, to be kinder to ourselves, for sure. When you were sharing some about your mom, which, uh, boy, she sounds like a really incredible person. One of the things that I kind of had in my mind is that that's how she loved, showed her love to others. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I not again, not to make assumptions, but when you're saying that she was inviting people over, you were giving, you know, meals to your pastor, you were inviting your neighbors over. I mean, that clearly was a way that your mom wanted to show her love to people. And I would add that on to what you were just talking about with, you know, God creating food is something that we can do, you know, with and for other people that that's also a way that we can love other people. I mean, we, we talk on this show a lot about being do, you know, doing what we're being able to call to, doing what we are called to do. Mm-hmm. And food can be a really huge part of that without the catastrophizing of yeah. whatever that is. Someone Absolutely. brings you food. If it's lasagna, 
then that's <laughs> from love. <laughs> like, like maybe that's this isn't the time to be super focused on the fat and the carbs and the calories right. of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And what do we tend to do when people are struggling? You know, there's been a death. We take food. We communicate right. to others that we care about you. We want your body to be taken care of. We don't want you to have to worry about taking care of this chore. Um, and, and so being a little bit more holistic about the way we see food is, yeah. is, is, you know, we've done this for millennia. Right. Yeah. yeah. And get out yeah. of this, um, this, I don't know if it's a culturistic thinking or just something that has been totally Americanized. I don't know if it's an issue in other areas, but like of getting so scientific about it and so mm-hmm. research-based. And I, I value a lot of the science and the research out there. However, again, taking a step back and having that more holistic approach. So I would love, you know, we always love, and I always love when I listen to podcasts, like really good takeaways. And I know that you have shared some of the nutrients like omega-3s and seleniums, um, magnesium and vitamin D, but I'm wondering if you were to create a recommended list of things to do to support our mental health, Mm -hmm. what kinds of foods would you add to that list? Absolutely. So before I talk about foods, I think I would talk about how I I recommend that people live their lives. I would definitely recommend, especially for a majority of people, you need to start off with a breakfast, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And and let me tell you why. If you start off with a breakfast and one especially that has adequate amounts of protein and fats, it keeps you satiated, right? Mm -hmm. And so what that does is that it gives you the energy to get into your day. You know, you're not going around, you know, the office hangry and irritable because then you're creating changes in everybody else's mood, <laughs> not just your own, right? Um, so so start off the day taking care of yourself by making sure that you're giving yourself the, the right nutrition to set your day right. And when it comes to lunch, definitely making sure that you're careful not to maybe have too many carbs so that you end up with a sugar crash in the middle of the day or in the afternoon, which then makes it difficult for you to get going with your day. My recommendation going back to your question about foods is really try to attempt to use um, a a lot of plant-based foods to just address your nutritional needs. And again, I'm not I'm not demonizing meat here, so I don't want anybody to hear that. But I am saying that, especially in this country, I don't think that we eat enough plant-based foods. Think of every meal and ask yourself, what fruits and vegetables can I add to this meal? And so doing that, but then also realizing you do need those carbs. You need them for energy, but you don't want them to be sh- simple sugars. You want them to be complex carbohydrates that give you sustained um, energy, but are also, like we talked about with selenium, are giving you the nutritional boost that you need for your brain to have good mental health. I am a big believer in recognizing that not every single person needs to eat the same foods every day. I think we're in different stages of our lives. Mm-hmm. I will say as I have gotten older, I probably don't need as many carbs as I did when I was younger, chasing three children around the house. 
in a few months, I'll be an empty nester. And I spend a lot of time sitting with my clients um, throughout the day. And so you are going to need to look at your diet, maybe work with a nutritionist or a dietitian and ask yourself, what do I need to tweak without demonizing while at the same time getting all the nutrients you need for that mental health? Do I need carbs? Yes, I need them for my mental health. Do I need them maybe in the same amounts as I needed them 20 years ago when I had as a mother of three young children? No. Do I probably need to exercise more now than I did then because then I was active? Just being able to to look at your diet, but recognize that need food needs to be holistic, not just because, like I said earlier, food is needed for energy, but because you're giving your body all of those nutrients that your brain needs to stabilize your mood and to help you be happier, which then allows you to go out into the world to do exactly what God has called you to do. Because ultimately, that's what this is about. It's not just I want to be healthy for me, end of story, but I want to be healthy so I can actually show up in the world with the right energy, with the right mood to do everything God has called me to do. Amen. I totally agree with that. As you were talking the last, I can't even remember how many years, six or seven years, um, you know, they're always assessing these diets and what's the best for weight loss and what's the best overall and what's the best. And I'm, I don't really subscribe to like one particular thing, but I do know that sometimes people appreciate guidance and science mm-hmm. behind that. But year over year, for at least the last six years, they have recommended the Mediterranean diet. Correct. Kind of what we're talking about. I mean, Mm -hmm. basically, Mediterranean is a lot of fish, and yes, including fatty fish, and you know, lots and lots of vegetables. And I, I think one thing that I haven't seen a lot of discussion about, but just my personal opinion is one of the reasons it's so so successful in however you want to define it is it's whole. It's like real vegetables. It's absolutely eating the vegetable in like. Be, as it came out of the ground, right. not ground up into a powder or not, you know, create, <laughs> not eating kale chips out of the bag, which look, I, right. I like kale chips, but yes. you know, if it's in a bag, if it's coming from a bag, then there's something else has happened to it. Right. So, you know, like I'll just make my own at home. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that that's to me, I, I feel like there's a missing discussion on that. of like, this is why it's because everything is in their natural state. Or maybe I just haven't seen all the discussions on that. And I agree with you. I I think processing definitely takes away from the nutritional factor. And maybe this is aside from our conversation today around food, but just even taking the time, like you said, making your Mm -hmm. own kale chips, right? Taking the time to create for yourself something that you enjoy, but something that you're aware of what you're putting into it, and then doing, sitting down with your family and enjoying that. Like we don't do enough of that. We don't do enough of cooking our own food from scratch. And growing up where food was cooked every single day from scratch, and I'm not I'm not saying that that's what we need to do here because sometimes our lives in the first world is definitely very different than it is in other parts of the world. But just even the ability to eat, to create, to use food from its natural state, either eating it raw or lightly cooked and then enjoying it with people. There is a lot to be said about that um, nutritionally. 
I agree. It's funny. I spent the weekend just doing a whole lot of cooking and uh, I call it being kind to my future self. And it's just something that I like to do and batch a bunch of stuff up and then freeze it. And yeah, I like that. I'm going to steal that. Being, being kind, kind to your future self. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I did have a horrible disaster. I was making a bunch of muffins and I was shoving them in the oven. I pulled it out lengthwise and it just mm-hmm. collapsed like forward. Oh. And I lost an entire pan of muffins, which was very, oh. as my son said, he goes, well, that's unfortunate. And I'm like, it really is. But anyway, <laughs> He was commenting. He was like, mom, we have so much like soup because it's cold as we're recording. We have this stuff. Why do you, why are you cooking dinner? It's Monday night. And I, I, it kind of gave me pause, but I think it's because I just enjoy the process. I will say I recognize the privilege in that as well, that I have, Mm -hmm. that I have the flexibility, that I have the time. There are a lot of women who are just trying to survive. Right. And they're just, yeah. they're just, and that is a different conversation, but I, I think that there is a lot of value in creating, spending the time decompressing from the day and, yeah. and then eating that and enjoying it with your family. So yeah, I, I really resonate with what you were just talking about with that. And hopefully people do not have muffin disasters like I did. <laughs> That's unfortunate for sure. It really was unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we talked some about the foods that are beneficial to our mental health. Are there any that, again, without demonizing anything, Uh because that is a theme and I want to make sure that we're not, I mean, we are not doing that. I know you well enough and, and my community knows me that we wouldn't do that. But just like I'm feeling down in the dumps you know, or I'm struggling with this, or I'm getting the seasonal effectiveness disorder. Yeah. What, what would you say, you know, because of this, I really recommend that you avoid these foods or this type of thing. Well, since we just talked about processing food, I think I will just start off by saying that we definitely, irrespective of what our mood is, we definitely want to limit the amounts of processed foods that we eat. But then moving from there, I think that there's some emotional eating that happens. You get into an argument with your husband and you sit to watch um, Netflix and you eat a whole bag, you know, of, of chips, you know, and and there's a science as to why we tend to emotionally eat. So without getting into all of the science behind it, there is a very strong mind gut connection that we're starting to recognize. In fact, one of the foods that I failed to mention that we need to be making sure we eat are are probiotics, you know, fermented foods, just because they, they make our gut happy and our gut is what provides serotonin, dopamine, all of those neurotransmitters that our mind needs to be healthy. And every culture has some kind of fermented foods. And we've kind of moved away from that. So making sure that we can find some kinds of fermented foods that we're engaging with. And then, of course, the fresh fruits and vegetables act as the prebiotics, you know, which kind of help that healthy gut. So now saying that, say I'm depressed or I'm anxious. When I ask my clients, when you feel anxious, where do you tend to feel it in your body? And nine out of 10 times, it's always in your midsection. People will talk about the fact that they feel butterflies, they feel an emptiness in their, in their stomach, a pit in their stomach. And so what do we tend to do when we feel that? 
we tend to eat. And there's a science behind that because when we eat, we actually press against the diaphragm, which then connects to a vagus nerve, which creates comfort for us. So when people are emotionally eating, there's a real reason they're doing that. And on what I do in my practice is I teach my clients to, instead of eating, to do other things that will provide some of that same comfort, like deep breathing, because it does the same thing. It expands and pushes against that vagus, the vagus nerve, which creates um, um, comfort, especially when we are struggling. So first of all, we need to move away from emotional eating. We need to recognize that food has a purpose and we shouldn't just be eating just because we can. And we live in a country where our pantries are full, our refrigerators are full. And so we have that luxury of being able to just grab something and eat. Food, whether good or not, shouldn't be used for emotionally soothing, if that makes sense. But then there's some foods, obviously, that we tend to reach out for that while they make us feel good in the moment are really not helpful to us uh, in the long run. So when we're emotionally eating, what do we tend to reach out for? We reach out for the very high carb, the sugars, the fats, the salts, mm-hmm. right? Potato chips. <laughs> yes, it's the potato chips. It's the big you know, big bar of chocolate. It's the, it's all of those kinds of things. Again, we're not demonizing food. We're just recognizing that in this instance, we're using it to create wholeness in, in a way that could be created otherwise. There are better ways to cope. Doing the harder emotional work to recognize why I'm depressed, why I'm anxious, what is it I fear, is more important but it's harder than just sitting down in a corner watching Netflix, eating my potato chips. So I think that's what I would say is, first of all, be aware that you're emotionally eating and then also recognize that the craving will be for those kinds of foods that um, are not necessarily helpful to you. There really is a, a strong connection. And I just have taken the approach that when I'm starting to feel those little dips or people around me are, I get really focused on the, yeah, on what I'm eating and going away from the potato chips, even though I don't, you know, I do love them, but maybe Mm -hmm. that's not the right time for it, right? The night season, um, even if it's just a little micro season, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So as we wrap this up, before I get into my final questions, I know you're a therapist, you're not our Mm -hmm. therapist, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but what Mm -hmm. general advice would you give um, us just to take care of our brain so that we can do what we're called to do? I think the first thing is be kind to your mind, right? And how do we do that? Recognize that our brain is part of our body, And that it too needs to be taken care of. Just like we get up and brush our hair or, you know, lotion up our bodies, we need to recognize that just because we don't see it doesn't mean that it's not part of our body and it needs to be taken care of. And one of the best things that we can do for it is give it the right nutrition and give it the right rest and sleep. Allow it to enjoy pleasure, you know, so find those things that create pleasure for it. But it also needs purpose. Like, what are you called to do? So that's really important, I think. Recognize that things like shaming it, restricting the nutrients that it needs, is is going counter to being kind to your mind. 
And this maybe has more to do with our body than it does just with our mind. But I think the way we view our body obviously affects our mind. Don't compare your body to that of any other person. You know, stop sitting in that place of shame where you're constantly telling your body what it should look like. You know, come to a place of acceptance. And acceptance doesn't mean giving up. Acceptance means this is who I am. This is where I'm at. These are things that I can do that probably I need to do to improve my body. But also these are, these are parts about my body that are okay. They don't need to look like somebody's asses uh, to be acceptable. Don't demonize food. Stop mm-hmm. looking at food and and demonizing it because if you demonize it and then you eat it, then by essence, what you're saying is that you're a bad person for engaging in that food. Recognize that there are certain foods that need to be eaten um, only during selective periods. And when you have those selective periods, enjoy that food and and kind of move on from that. That's so good. Thank you for those. And I think that that goes right back into what we were talking about at the very beginning that you offered, which was balance mm-hmm. and recognizing that it, there are going to be seasons for that. And then there are going to be seasons where it's where we have, or maybe not seasons, but moments where it's fine and enjoy and don't shame yourself and don't demonize it. And then, right. and then, okay. And let's kind of now make sure that we are holistically taking care of our brain and our body. Yes. I have a few questions I like to ask all of my guests. So the first is related to tattoos. I find I love learning about people's tattoos because I have found that when people have them, they often have a meaning behind them. So I was wondering if you have a tattoo, if you would share what it is and the meaning behind it. And if you don't have one, but had to get one, what would it be and where would it go? So first of all, I'm super excited about this question. No, I do not have a tattoo. However, since turning 50, I've been thinking about getting a tattoo. And um, it's going to be um, the names of my children and little heart shapes um, and also the date that my husband and I got married. I'm not quite sure where I'd put it. Um, I've thought about putting it like maybe on my wrist or maybe on my shoulder. That's my thought as it pertains um, to tattoos. Um, I've thought of getting a secondary one, which would be, you know, love, faith and hope, just because mm-hmm. that means a lot to me in my as a Christian woman. Um, and again, I don't know for sure where I'd put that, but it's something that I've been playing with and, and wondering, you know. It's fun to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) I get it. It's fun. It's fun to think about for sure. I love that. Okay. And then do you have a meaningful Bible verse that you would like to share? Absolutely. I'm super excited to share this with you. So actually, I'm going to break the rules and share two with okay. you. So as a life verse, I've always gone to um, Isaiah 50, 43 verse 2. And it basically says, you know, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep up, um, over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze for I am your, I am your God, right? Mm-hmm. And it just kind of it really helps me deal with with life, with anxieties of life, um, that I have a God who is bigger than whatever I have to walk through, you know. Um, but as it pertains to food, since we did talk about food, I did want to share a verse from Luke 
I think it's 14 verse 15, which basically says, you know, Jesus was speaking to, um, he was a guest and he was speaking to the people at the table with him. And he said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Oh, yeah. that's great. That's great. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to let you have the last word. What is the one simple thing you would like uh, my community to me and my community to remember about our conversation today? Remember that your body is is an instrument and it shows up in the world and does things for you and for other people. And for it to be able to do that, it needs to be well taken care of. So that means feeding it right, being kind to it, um, so that it can truly do that which it is called to do. Okay, that is all for today. Go out there and have a great day. Mm-hmm. 